Great Conversations podcasts on capital allowances. I'm Brendan Sharkey, Head of Construction Real Estate for MHA, and I'm joined today by our colleagues from Veritas Advisory Limited. And with us today, we've got Clive Kurd, a Chartered Surveyor and Director of Veritas, along with two colleagues, uh, namely Polly Byrne and Quad. This is an interesting topic. Let me have hand over to Clive and he'll cover the areas that we're going to discuss today. Thank you, Brendan, uh, for the invitation to give you an opportunity to talk with you on the subject. Um, I hope we can provide an insight into some of the recent changes and current issues. Uh, in terms of sectors, what we're going to cover today is a build to rent market and furnished holiday lets, uh, looking on dwellings from care homes, student accommodation and hotels. What's happening with offices and ESG? <clears throat> Retail, which also can include restaurants and leisure facilities, industrial properties, including factories and distribution, general practice, uh, medical and surgeries. Finally, the last two, offshore and the main changes, in fact, we've gone to corporation tax. And finally, looking at secondhand acquisitions on property investments. That's excellent. So what we need to do now is just get a basic understanding of capital allowances, Clive. Great. Thank you, Brendan. Um, I think the thing about capital allowances is that it's constantly changing. Um, it's becoming more complicated. There's more types of allowances. There's more rules. It depends on what kind of property it is, what kind of transaction, what kind of entity is making a claim, the trade of the company. But I think one of the key benefits now is that nearly everything you spend on a property will qualify for capital allowances. There's lots of different types, um, more introduced, and that can offer a greater tax saving. I'll leave it there because when we go through the individual areas, I think we can extract maybe some planning and opportunities rather than okay. taking the generics, if I may. Yeah. Um, specifically, um, build to rent big marketplace now growing exponentially. Um, is there capital allowances in that? And how does that compare to furnished holiday lettings, which is another area where, you know, it's residential, but how do the two contrast or can you can compare and contrast? Yeah, thank you, Brendan. Um, yeah, I will look at uh, build to rent for you. So uh, build to rent, for example, uh, tracks up to 20% of plant and machinery allowances of, of the construction cost. Um, these claims can only ever be claimed on the common and communal areas, which means that these could include lift shafts, light fittings, stairwells, spas, gyms, carpets, pools. Um, I happened to go to a BTR conference last week, which highlighted um, the fastest growing sector and the challenges we're going to have with ESG markers over the next few years, um, which went into detail about the BTR life cycle. Uh, and what they're looking at is a huge growth plan, but the 20% of the plant machinery allowances can be used within this, which not, which not many BTR companies or sectors in that sector know about. Uh, so this can also be used to offset the profits from the rental income. So I hope that explains that a little bit about BTR. It does. And, and 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 just contrast that with furnished solidity lettings. Is that the same or have we got slightly different nuances there? Uh, different in the sense of they're both residential property 
but what we have here is furnished holiday lets are an individual home which is turned into a furnished holiday let so it becomes a business so um, built to rent is a high rise normally uh, so you'll have tenanted properties that can range from 50 up to hundreds of units um, and furnished holiday lets are individuals more for um, the individual wanting to go on holiday, for example, say in Cornwall. Um, we wouldn't be able to claim for our own properties, but if we decided to make it a furnished holiday let, we'd be able to then turn it into a capital allowances business in the sense of the whole property could qualify up to 65%. Um, that includes refurbing the properties. Uh, we can also include the annual investment allowance to uh, ramp up the claims on that. Um, and if it's purchased property, um, there's an extra unrestricted basis of 10 to 15% on the actual purchase price. Uh, so for example, if a house costs 400,000 pounds, we could probably get around for plant and machinery 25,000 on that property and for the integral features about 40k. So there's a big market out there that people aren't aware of that they can claim. I agree. I think we're missing an opportunity there. We ought to do a little bit more on that. When we were talking about BTR, um, I'm aware that there's like a life cycle in terms of refurbishment and keeping things up to scratch. I mean, how does that work with capital allowances and what happens there when it, things are refurbished or replenished? Well, what, what we're finding is that, um, and what I've, I've learnt over the last few conferences I've been to that are predominantly about BTR, that there is a life cycle, which means uh, that there is going to be a demand on BTR looking brand new. So any tenant that takes a property there all the communal areas like hotels will need refits and retrofits on a regular basis mm -hmm. and also they'll need to keep their rooms fresh and so forth. Obviously the in the tenanted rooms are not claimable but all the the um, communal areas and the core would be. But with this as well we've got ESG and the markers are increasing, we've got net zero coming in rapidly and all of these buildings that have already been built that will need a refit are going to need to hit these markers. So I think myself uh, being a fastest, one of the fastest growing sectors it's going to be sim similar to hotels where the churn and maintenance is going to be regular. So for capital allowances that again would be plenty of claims within the building. I've got that. I just want to ask you a supplementary on that. So I've, I've refurbished or I've furbished my hotel or my, my residential BTR. And now I'm coming to do the refit. What happens to my original allowances? Are they just roll forward? Are they just left in the books? I don't have scrappage or proceeds here or anything like that. What happens there? Do you know? I, I know somebody who does. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean they will just be written off. Um, so they'll they'll get written off um, because at, at that point, yeah, they'll get written off at that. Aren't point. they in the pool? So they will, but you know they've come to the end of their useful life, so that they'll get written off. They'll be um, uh, and and they'll go. So and they'll just get replaced. How does it write them off in the capital balances? So again, well, as, as long as as long as you can, um, and they'll go in the pool, and they're just in, they'll just be enhanced and removed. I thought they'd be left in there. That's what I was getting at. Well, 
quite often that's what usually happens. Yeah, because um, you haven't got a disposal other than a That's right. Yeah. Um, but of course, by the time you get to that point, especially at the, the higher rate and the plant's machinery, they'll be down to pretty, pretty, pretty low. much low anyway. Sure. And of course, you can, as soon as they get down to under a hundred, under a thousand pounds for all these different items, they're just written off in the year anyway. Okay. So um, we'll talk again on that, I'm sure. Um, so let's talk about care homes, Clive, and student accommodation. Quite significant sums of money involved here, of course. Um, quite a lot in fit out and plant and equipment. How do we stand with capital allowances in, in that sector? Uh, thank you, Brendan. Um, again, care homes and a student, they are dwellings, um, but they are also businesses. So you can claim capital allowances, but there are quite strict rules. Um, HMRC made a definition of what a dwelling was. Um, a few years back because there isn't actually any legislation for it. But for a care home, that is a business, so you can claim plant and machinery allowances on the whole building. Um, you can also claim the new structure and building allowances as well. However, they have got some extra rules. <clears throat> Typical with HMRC, they bring in extra complexities and you have to meet certain requirements. Things like if you're looking after elderly people or if it's sheltered, is that a care home or is it not? In addition, when we're looking at student accommodation, again, the actual student room is a dwelling, whereas the core areas aren't, and you can make a claim on those. Um, typically, you can get up to 20% of the construction cost as an item of plants machinery, whereas SBA doesn't apply. So the issue with these kind of properties is there's extra complexity of rules, but there is a great opportunity to claim and enhance uh, the benefit from an investor's point of view on their, on their actual return. So the actual structure of the building, we can get building allowance. Yeah, is it? Is it so like on, say on a care home, you can claim everything now, which is great, everything will qualify. Whereas a student accommodation, it's purely the core area. So they you would have, have to, to they, you, you, yeah, you can't actually look at the building as a whole. You, no, you that's have right. To break it down into its constituent parts and ascertain yeah. the plant that applies to the common use. That's right. And this is this is probably the, the key point where you have to split all the items out. It isn't just a case of claiming on an area basis. You have to look at each element of plant. And the problem we usually have is the information isn't great. So you have to revalue those items, go back to uh, core basics of splitting each item, each each pipe work, each service to maximise the claim. OK. So let's move on. Let's talk about commercial market. And I suppose the big thing at the moment, the big factor is ESG and how that's playing a role in the future development. And if you like, value enhancing buildings for the future and protecting their rights. Now, what part does ESG play in, in the refurb or, or new build in terms of capital allowances? It, it's, it's an interesting point because um, a lot of things now, the technology is changing. I mean, when we're looking at offices, um, at the moment, they're looking at how you can also, for instance, the cladding to reduce the solar shading. And there is actually a capital allowance called for solar shading. However, trying to distinguish it and actually qualify that and how it actually is part of the cladding, which isn't qualifying, but if it is qualifying as solar shading, then you can claim it. It's quite tricky. But if you think about the cladding cost on a building, it's quite significant. If you can claim that as an item, of uh, plants and machinery, then you can get that enhanced relief. But there's other things as well. If you refurbish a building, 
um, you may increase the insulated properties of building. The problem we have now going forward, the new regulations is if you don't meet certain EPC requirements, you won't be able to lease it out. So you've got to spend money. If you can insulate a building by changing the windows, changing the insulation of the building, all that can now qualify as an item of plant machinery. So at least it will mitigate some of the cost that you've got to incur to meet those requirements. Can I just pick up a point there? So when I've got in a building, historically, if, if a client says I'm going to replace the roof or replace the windows, I'm looking to put that through as a repair. Is that still the right practice or am I missing a trick there? Well, it's a good question because yeah, what is the definition of a repair? If you replace all the windows and you replace all the roof, there's certainly case law which could suggest that you can't actually do that. It should be capital. You're improving the building. Um, so there could be an issue in going that way. But of course, if you then claim as a capital out, which I think is you, you are allowed, you can still get that benefit and that's the correct way to do it. OK, we won't debate that today, but I, I, I do understand what you're trying to say. OK, so moving on, Clive, let's explore capital allowances in terms of a retail environment and the general shops and fittings and, and the like there. What, what What's available? So retail, um, typically a retailer will go into a, a property, it will just be floors, walls and ceiling and it'll be a shell and everything they spend could potentially qualify. The question really is, is it make sure that you can get trade related and you can claim it at the higher rates, especially now the super deduction at 130%. <laughs> if you can claim wall fittings, uh, they're specific to the trade or lighting rigs, all these kind of items can qualify and certainly increase the benefit. One of the other key things about retailing is, is it's constantly changing. If you look at, I mean, currently in the UK, there's about 300,000 retail units. And if you look at any kind of typical high street, they're now having to be repurposed. They're looking at different items, different kind of trades and use going into it. Each time they go in, they will have to do a uh, fit out and they're going to have to do a claim. One of the key things that some of the, the larger brands have done is they used to do sample claims where you yeah. do one fit out and then you could do another. Yeah. But at the moment, HRC aren't very happy about that. Okay. So doing a sample of one property when you do a fit out of 10 really isn't going to stand up to scrutiny by HMRC. Uh, OK, because it is traditional to do, uh, if you like, a standard fit out. That's what's gone in there. I'll, I'll replicate that here. There, It's a quick way to do the computation. So you're saying that isn't necessarily good enough. No, now you've got to look at it. They don't really like this sampling or all that process. And I think the other key thing is that companies now that can get the super deduction at 130%, mm -hmm. HMRC, great, they give out this great allowance or the government incentive. But of course, when they give a big incentive out, they also want to make sure that it's right. So you really are going to have to look in the detail and making sure that it isn't just a case of, oh, well, I claim that on one retail, I can claim it on the next one. You're going to really have to look in detail and make sure you've got that evidence to support your claim. Okay, excellent. Let's move on. Industrial buildings, quite. Yeah, industrial sector, including logistics, warehouses, data centres, uh, has been a single hottest sector uh, uh, lately. Uh, I mean, it was already getting quite hot before COVID, but obviously the pandemic has made accelerated the whole process. So the um, not just occupiers, but also investments poured into this sector, uh, pushed the prices up and the yield 
expected yield has kind of been very keen, closing in from let's say five to seven percent before the pandemic. Now three to five percent. Absolutely, we are yeah. looking at. Yeah. So that uh, and then the the tax rate going up next year and things like that, uh, the investors are seeing their cash on cash return being really squeezed. So every penny we can save for them in terms of tax would be great. Uh, good news is after the abolition of uh, IBAs back in 2008, now we have SBAs, construction uh, buildings, uh, so which is similar basis, but at 3% straight line. So we have probably 20 to 25% plant and machinery, which already qualify. But we also have SBA we can uh, add to uh, the, the claim. And there are some exclusions such as uh, soft landscaping and planning costs and things like that, but th those are, are nominal amounts. Of course, the, the, the uh, PNM and also probably a land, uh, land remediation relief you can claim. Those things are excluded from SBA, but obviously they are claimed at higher rates. So putting them all together, you can create almost like a package of claims uh, you can make. And, and maximize the benefit for your client. And also you have other things like a free ports where you can claim SBA at 10%. And also you have uh, uh, ECA still around, although the green technology ECA has been abolished. We still oh, have the actual equipment that goes in. Is we that, we is have that enterprise technology. The, the, is that it? The, 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 what do we call it? The heat. Um, that's right. The green uh, technology. Green, green technology. Yeah. There's still an enhanced analysis. No, that that's been abolished. Ah. But we still have with the same name, uh, same percent, hundred percent, mm. but on qualifying PNM. Okay. Uh, in in enterprise zones, so you need ah, to check okay. that if yeah. your industrial uh, development or, or, or your unit is within that zone. So bring that all together, uh, uh, we have great opportunity to to maximize uh, the benefit for the client in these difficult times with, with the squeeze returns. Uh, and I think uh, what where our skills come in very often with these, these industrial units is that we are able to review all aspects of those claims from PNM to land remediation to SBA and accelerate the, the claims as much as possible for the client. Mm. Uh, although the SBA has to be uh, added to your capital gains on disposal, yes. uh, when you look at the cash flow of your holding period that asset, uh, you are actually benefiting the client very much. Sure. GP practices, yes. how do they fit in, Quang? I mean, you know, is there anything special about GP practice? There's quite a lot of innovative investment in GP practices, yes. you know, bringing yeah. old buildings, put them in new buildings. Exactly. Yeah. And they are consolidating. The Absolutely. Yeah. Like they have yeah. Been a lot yeah. Many hospitals in some ways. Yeah. I mean, a looming kind of misconception with GP practices is that because there's always uh, some sort of grant coming in from NHS, very often probably 66%, up to 66% of the development cost. So there is a misconception that people think, oh, if it's already paid almost 70% by NHS, then there can't be much benefit for me. Uh, but actually, when you look uh, closely to, to the uh, GP uh, benefit on capital allowances, that because there's no restriction on what expenditure you have to allocate to that grant. Right. When you calculate your capital allowances, you can a prioritize or the qualifying Jerry, expenditure Jerry exactly, on your expenditure, yeah. which makes generally about 35-40% qualifying yeah. and can be up to 65% mm -hmm. uh, if you've got enough kit inside. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and also because a, a GP partners are usually higher tax rate payers, mm. uh, benefit yeah, is sure. actually quite high. Yeah. And going back to where, uh, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to check. We, yeah. So they, they don't need to be corporates for that allowances. They they just they can be sole traders yeah. or partnerships yeah. or whatever. So the partnership, entire partnership may claim. Obviously, they divide the yeah, benefit yeah, yeah. between partners. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I just wanted to emphasize that uh, very often in our experience with dealing with GP claims that because of the nature of how their operation develops over the years, let's say the first practice was built in 1980s, and then they add another extension yeah. in the 90s, another one in 2000. So it happens over five, six times. Mm -hmm. And because they very often haven't, haven't looked at any of those claims, we have to go all the way back to the 80s, find mm -hmm. all the cost information, okay. receipts and things yeah. like that. Very often you don't get those information. You get very, very yellow looking drawing and a, a single piece of paper saying this is how much you paid. But a single line. That's where we come in and say, okay, we will break that all down using our uh, quantity surveyor skills uh, in that sense, revalued all the construction every stage. Then we put it all together as one claim value for GPs, and then the benefit goes to the GPs straight away. Mm. Um, if they can't, so because they have historical claims, they obviously can't really utilize their AIAs. No. So what we recommend is then open up last two years yeah, okay. and very often things like uh, anything that was uh, spent before 2008 of course it was before the rules were changed so uh, planting everything's planted machinery so that way you, you you actually write down quite quickly those old historical claims excellent so where do i go now okay we've got foreign investors those that live overseas so domicile or whatever but have uk property the rules changed for them, I think, in April 2020. We've gone from income tax, is it, to corporate tax? That's right. What's their position in terms of capital allowances? Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a major change for overseas. Um, I mean, they've had it very good. That probably paid very little tax on their income. And the other thing is they never paid any, any tax on their capital gains. Um, so there's this big change for the you know, they're, they're having to pay a lot more tax. Also, they have their interest rate restrictions um, and they carried forward losses, which is typical on, on properties, which is usually quite large. Um, but there's a real benefit now for capital allowances because capital allowances can get claimed in the corporation tax. And even if you can't use it now, you can roll those allowances forward. So when you come to sell the building, you can use those allowances or if you create larger losses against your potential gain. But the other interesting thing is that quite a lot of these companies hold properties which they've never made any claims on. And the reason they didn't is because they weren't paying any tax. Yeah. Whereas, of course, now we review what they've claimed. There's no time limit to going back and making a claim. They could have had that property for 10 years. Um, they could have spent some money on it. Or they could have claimed allowances maybe when they bought the property as well. We can make a claim now, go back a couple of years in their tax returns, carry them forward and have those allowances ready for when they come to and sell the property. And the great thing about plant machinery allowances is that when you sell, you can do this thing that a section 198 election and you can retain all the benefit. You do not have to pass it on to the new purchaser. I would say though, having spoken to quite a few investors, is that they're only just catching up to having this thought process of, yes, we need to claim. And really, the best thing to do is claim now, have a look, a review of what you can claim so you can ready to use them in the future. 
Yes, I suppose, as you say, if you haven't paid tax, you didn't have a worry. In fact, you probably didn't want to draw attention to HMRC and you were quite happy to pay a little bit of tax and keep everybody happy. So they, they, they do need to get their act together, really, because they're, 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 they're missing out on opportunity. And the chances are they will sell that property at some stage in the future. So the capital allowances will be an issue that need to be addressed anyway. Yeah, and, and, and I expect most investors want to sell at a profit because that's what they're expecting to do. Sure. Um, and you know, as you know, if you look at some of the sectors as well, especially industrial, they're going up quite quickly. And yeah, if you can get these allowances now, get them, yeah, claim them now, build that pool up, yeah. have them ready. Yeah. You put the claim in now. It it goes in your tax return. It's agreed by HMRC because maybe they won't make an inquiry. And you've got those, you've got the banked those tax allowances and those tax savings for the future. But don't leave it to later. If you try to claim the year that you sell. You might only get one year's of writing down allowance. You might not be able to claim the rest of it. Right. So it's imperative to get us in, look at it now okay. rather than later. So that takes us into the second hand market, doesn't it, in terms of acquisitions and disposals. How does that rule work in terms of, you know, the owner that's selling? He's got capital allowances. Where does he go with his relief? And the new occupier or new owner, where, where, what's the handover situation there? So a few, a few years ago, um, HMRC got worried about um, people not doing it correctly, that someone would buy a property and they'd make a claim about checking what had happened before. The legislation was always there, but they had this perception in one sector that it wasn't being done. So they tightened up the rules. So what happens now is if you're buying or if you're selling and you're both taxpayers, you have to, the seller has to claim the allowances and then pass the allowances in an agreement between the vendor and the purchaser with a section 198 election so it's very much agree between the vendor and the purchaser at the time of the sale um but it also gets a bit more complicated because typically what we get is uh, an answer uh, 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 when we're looking at due diligence that the vendor just says there's no allowances available and quite frankly we never believe the vendor um because sometimes they've had good advice, sometimes they've got no advice, and it's very easy to say there's nothing there. Um, but there's lots of opportunities. Um, often the vendor will say there's a £2 election, nothing to claim, the purchase goes okay. But they may have not looked at a number of issues. The first one could be the vendor could have had it for um, a number of years, since 2008. In 2008, we had the introduction of integral features. So they weren't able to claim on things like general lighting, some general power and cold water. If we do a claim on that based on the purchase new purchase price, you could get 10%, up to 10% allowances of the purchase price. And if you use the annual investment allowance this year, you can claim it all in year one. So it's quite considerable. The other couple of issues um, is that you don't just look at the historic ownership, you look at the, who's owned the fixtures and when they put them in. So if a previous tenant who's now vacated the property had installed, say, some air conditioning or some fire alarm systems, carpet, when you as the new purchaser buy that property, those assets belong to you. And you can make the claim of those under a different interest. The previous owner can't claim it because they never spent the money. The tenant installed those items when they owned the property. So as a new owner, you get to claim those items. So there's lots of different sort of opportunities where you look at the fixtures in the building, who's claimed them and when. 
saying really i guess my thing on it is is if there's a two pound election that doesn't mean you can't claim have a look at it and see what you can do it just okay so so you've got okay let's take the two pound election yeah and, and then you go and visit the site yeah and you see maybe some air conditioning units or something like that you think hasn't been claimed how do you put a value on that? Do you go, get your book out and go back three years and sort of do a discounted cash flow and say that was about the price? How does that work? Well, that's, that's a very good point because this is where the legislation is quite strange, really. Um, when you when you buy a property um, and you look at these items and they're unrestricted, what you actually do, the only thing you know is the property price. That's all that's you pay for it. They paid for it. That's yeah. right. That's the only factual information you've got. What the legislation allows you to do is do an apportionment of your purchase price. Now, what that means is we look at the, the building and we revalue it as if it was brand new. We also calculate the land value as if it was a blank site. Someone's going to buy that land and develop that building. But the really interesting point is we value the plant machinery, however old it is, as if it was brand new. So you could have an old air conditioning in the unit in there, which is 10 or 15 years old. We value it as today's prices. And we get those three elements and we apportion it into the purchase price. So an old boiler, which could be worth you know, 500 pounds or nothing now, yeah. you know, that could be worth 100,000 right. um, new. Okay. But in addition to that, we might be able to get this multiplier effect because we're apportioning into the purchase price, it could be worth 120,000. So it's a quite a quirk and a strange bit of the legislation, but on some properties you can really enhance the value, um, especially where you've got previous non-taxpayers, they've yeah. never made a claim. Sure. Um, and there's no time limit. Uh, I've just looked at a, a hotel travel lodge, uh, the vendor was a non-taxpaying pension fund, they developed it about 12 years ago, and we're doing a claim on that plant's machinery as if it's brand new. That's interesting. I didn't know it actually works. That's, that's fantastic. Okay. I think there's just one other area that we should put across, I think, and make it clear for people that are listening to this. We, we've used some acronyms today, and I just wonder if we should just reflect on what those acronyms actually do stand for, just for clarity. Um, so I think P&M is mentioned, plants and machinery. Yeah. Um, we've got IBAs. So that was formerly industrial building allowances. We've got SBAs. Uh, Structure and building allowances. And we've got AIAs. So annual investment allowance. Thank you. And FHL. We have furnished. BTR. Built to rent. ESG. Environment. Social, Social and government. Yeah. Yeah. And the EPC. Energy performance, performance certificates. certificates. We're there. Oh, yeah. IF. Integral features. Integral features, Just IF. Thank you. Good. Well, I think that brings us to a, a sensible conclusion on these discussions about capital allowances. We've covered a hell of a lot of uh, detail. Um, I, I just wanted to say one other thing before we finish up. Just it came into my mind. I presume what you would say to any professional advisor that where a client buys or acquires a property, why not get a survey, get somebody to have a look at it, kick the tires and see what could be made of it? Is that is that where you are in the marketplace? Yeah, definitely. Look at it. There's opportunity on every claim. I think you need to 
anytime someone spends any money on anything, have a look at it. Mm. Uh, there's always something. It's complicated. You're never quite sure what opportunity is there until you look about look at it. Well, my thanks today to my colleagues from Veritas. I'm very grateful for your insight. Very useful for us. And um, if anybody wants any further information, you can contact us um, on email by info at mhllp.co.uk, or you can even go to our website, mha-uk.co.uk. Hey.